I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. If you ask people what are their biggest concerns about our town, they'll most likely say affordability. Yes, living in Nashville is more expensive. That seems to be the case in other parts of the country as well. And I've said time and again that the rent is too damned high. So how are people supposed to make ends meet? For many, that means picking up a side hustle. What is a side hustle? Well, it's another job or business venture where folks can earn some extra cash. You know, on the side. Later this hour, we'll talk with Nashvillians who took on side hustles of their own and discover what they're doing to make it. But first, two years ago today, the Taliban entered Kabul and swiftly took power as NATO forces withdrew from Afghanistan. They began targeting people with connections to the United States, including Afghan Fulbright scholars. Now, here in Nashville, a local agency has been trying to help. Rose Gilbert is WPLN's general assignment reporter. She joins us now to talk about it. Rose, thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to the show. Happy to be here, Khalil. All right. So, you know, tell me a little bit about this story. There's a local group helping Fulbright scholars in Afghanistan. Yeah. So Tennessee Resettlement Aid is a name that might be familiar to some of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, One of its co-founders, Salim Tahiri, has been on multiple times as a guest and as a translator. Um, He himself is actually a a refugee who came here with his family about five years ago with a special immigrant visa he earned by working with the U.S. in Afghanistan. Um, And kind of since he's been here, he's been helping other folks uh, get settled, you know, helping them get groceries. I mean, you know how hard it is to get groceries in this town without a car? Yeah. Um, Helping them, uh, you know, translate everything from science to uh, asylum uh, application uh, work. And he kind of uh, hooked up with his co-founder, Katie Finn, to do that uh, more comprehensively. Um, and after one of the more recent shows we had them on this spring, kind of an update on resettlement work here in Nashville, we got to talking. Um, and he mentioned kind of the plight of these Fulbrighters who are Afghan citizens who came to study in the U.S., went back to Afghanistan and found themselves targeted when the Taliban took power. Um, he actually had a client whose brother runs the Fulbright program in mm. Afghanistan, and that's kind of how they became aware and how this like very hyper-local, small resettlement group uh, ended up taking up this cause and kind of being working with over 40 scholars um, in Afghanistan, part I mean, nearly 40 scholars in Afghanistan. I imagine that this information they're working with is pretty sensitive because people's lives potentially could be a danger, yet they connected with you for it. Was it because of this connection we had from you, you've, you've developed with them from This Is Nashville? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've. It's funny I, I, to think about, but I've, I've known Salim for I, you know, over a year now. Uh, we've, we've connected on the show multiple times. He's connected me with guests multiple times, and, and every time you ask someone to put you in touch with someone who might be in a vulnerable position, like a recently resettled refugee, you're asking them to trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time you handle that well, uh, handle that kindly, handle that respectfully, uh, you build trust with them. And so I think. By the time that we were talking about this story, he knew a little bit about me um, and knew knew how I'd handle this, and I knew about him, and I knew uh, how how he handled the people he was connected with. So, so it was it was a story that came from that trust. What was reporting on this story like for you? 
It was uh, a surprising percentage of it was about managing time zones. Mm. Um, I, uh, you know, of course, I was connected to the local organization, Katie Finn and Sling Tahiri here in Nashville. Uh, that was an easy one. I just went to Katie's house to talk to them. Um, I connected with a California congressman who is introducing a bill to uh, help these scholars and um, or has introduced. But connecting with the scholars themselves who were in Pakistan and Afghanistan was a, a little bit trickier. Uh, Afghanistan's nine and a half hours later than we are. It's okay. evening there right now. Um, so figuring out a time when they were free and when they felt safe talking because wow. a lot of them wanted to talk in the middle of the night or early in the morning when they had fewer concerns about being overheard. So a lot of time spent on my closet floor uh, in the middle of the night. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I understand we have a clip that we want to hear from someone you talked with. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so one of the scholars I spoke with, I'm going to call her Hannah, but that's a pseudonym to protect her her and her family's safety. Um, I, I asked her what she wanted people in America to know um, about herself and other, and other scholars that find themselves in this situation. And uh, this is what she had to say. I, I wanted the American people know that it's not like we are coming from war-torn experience and we know how to deal with it. I have never seen war in my life. I've never seen being confined to my home ever before. So for me, it's just like experiencing it as if any other American would have. Um, so, you know, some people think that we are used to war, we are used to violence. We are used, it's not like that. You know, I mean, we are terrified by this uh, experience. Mm. You know, she's Hannah's. She's like commenting on the misconceptions that we have as Americans about that we hold about life in Afghanistan before the Taliban retook the country. She says that they are not used to war and violence. That's pretty revelatory. How how is your own perspective affected by working on this story and talking with Hannah and the other people? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a reminder of how far away we are from things that we have a major impact on. Right. Like, uh, you know. Hannah has to think about America a lot more than we have to think about her or about Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, just just her reminding me or reminding all of us really like Afghanistan's not just a place where bad things happen. And so when bad things happen there, it's like, <clears throat> of course, you know, that's where that's where bad things happen yeah. is is over there and far away from us. Um, but but reminding I think she, it was very important to her that I understood that this was as scary for her as it would be for me if I was suddenly uh, forced to go into hiding um, to protect myself and my family, um, and, and and so that just really, that really stuck with me. What what type of impact do you want to see from this story? Well, I, I think certainly the the folks I spoke to um, really were focused on uh, raising awareness of their situations and, and just reminding people that you know it's it's been two years since uh, NATO forces left Afghanistan, but there are still a lot of people. Uh, who were impacted by our time there, um, were struggling. What about you, Rose Gilbert, the person? Every time I've done a story, especially working with uh, folks who are in a perilous situation or with or with refugees, I'm always very humbled that people are willing to risk their lives to share their stories. So. You know, Hannah and, and three other scholars who spoke with me, a considerable personal risk. I, I hope that this story sheds light on the situations that they were, you know, willing to risk their lives to talk about.
Rose Gilbert is WPLN's general assignment reporter. You can hear her story this afternoon on All Things Considered and find the link on this episode's web post at thisisnashville.org. Rose, great job. Thanks for being here, and thank you for your reporting. Thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll switch gears and learn about the side hustle culture of our city. What are people doing for extra cash? Do you have a side hustle? Tell us about it and tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Kaleole Colonna, and this is Nashville. What do you do when you need more cash? Do you get another job? Back in the day, that was known as moonlighting, where you work full-time but hold a part-time job as well. Now that term is known as the side hustle. These days, many folks who have a side hustle work for themselves, taking a hobby or passion and finding ways to monetize their already existing skills and talents. Others work the gig economy, i.e. Uber or DoorDash. Some even get a bit more explicit. Only fans, anyone. As the cost of living increases, more and more Middle Tennesseans are taking up the practice. And when folks think side hustling in a town like Nashville, the first thing they think of is a musician. So I'd like to introduce Jacob Wilcom from Woodbine to the show. Jacob, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville, my friend. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Really great. So how long have you lived here? Um, just coming up on over three years now in Nashville. Three years in Nashville. Okay, so what'd you come to Nashville to do? <laughs> I came here to be, like everyone else, I want to be a musician. Specifically, I wanted to be a bass musician for other artists to help them elevate their songs and performances to the next level. Okay, so did you want to be like a studio musician or somebody who does gigs as well? I was just happy for any opportunity to play music. Um, I love playing live. Studio work is fantastic as well. Um, but I was just looking for any opportunity to break into the Nashville music scene. Why not be the front man? Why not be like, you know, <laughs> Jeter, you're up here, you know, you, you got the bass. Jake has got Jake and the bass in your face. Well, why not be your own guy? You know, for every Taylor Swift, there's about 10 other guys on stage helping Taylor be Taylor. Mm -hmm. All right. So tell me, what was the plan when you moved here? You know what? I wish I had a better plan. I wanted to move to Nashville. I was ready to meet a whole bunch of people, get myself uh, rooted in the community and start gigging. And then about a week later, pandemic set in. Mm -hmm. And so I was in a lease with two guys that I met off of Facebook and um, we were in lockdown together. And I felt really defeated because I felt like the world was shutting down on me. And I, and I thought that my dreams were going to be crushed and I was going to move back to Wisconsin. Okay, so... Everything, COVID shutdown, interrupted your dreams. Didn't shut them down completely, but interrupted them. And we know that life is hard for an aspiring musician in this city. What, tell me, what was the first side hustle you took up during this time? The first side hustle that I did, and my roommates put me onto this, was dog sitting. You would be amazed at the amount of money people will pay to take care of their little fur babies when they're vacationing for a weekend. Mm. Um, these are people that love their animals. They have the disposable income to not only take a vacation, but also support these animals. And they want to hire the best possible care. And um, I really enjoy working with animals. And 
it was a, a fantastic side hustle to kind of make ends meet for those first couple months. Okay, so you had that side hustle going. Did you pick mm -hmm. up any other ones? I sure did. Um, my roommates had an established audio and video company, and they always needed an extra set of hands on set, uh, another cameraman, a guy to check the audio. And so very quickly, I got a fast education in the audio and video world, which I've now turned into a, a job. Um, where I work as an audio engineer at a church uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays. Okay. So that's part of my current side hustle. Okay, so you have, are you still dog sitting? <laughs> I'm not dog sitting as much as I did back then, but I do have a couple clients that call me about once or twice a month to so, take care of them. So it's right now I'm counting three side hustles. Correct. Do you have more? <laughs> Um, let's see. Um, I can, I, I freelance German translate. I got my degree in German translation awesome. and I got a, a, a contracted job at a pharmaceutical company right afterward. I quickly found out that the office cubicle suit and tie North Chicago life wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> but it's still a skill set that I have in my head and I really enjoy doing. So when I have the time, I can freelance German translate on my own time. That is a pretty eclectic group of side hustles. <laughs> I love it. Now, you know, they can be very diverse as you just heard sure. everyone and they show off an array of skills and abilities. My next guest is a multi-skilled performer. You may have seen him in action. Here he is playing punk number three in the 1994 movie The Specialist. You'll hear him fighting with Sylvester Stallone's character, Ray Quick. Oh, man, it takes me back to when I saw the movie back then. Jeff Bornstein is a stuntman, magician, and special effects expert. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank so, you. Okay, so you worked as a stuntman. That's really cool. Yes, sir. How long have you been doing stunts? Uh, well, I am now retired from stunts, but uh, one never retires from stunts. Stunts retires you. Okay. Yes. So, okay. you know, blown out knees, broken back, mm -hmm. too many concussions. So if I forget my name. Just don't call me Kathy. Okay. <laughs> when did you get started? Ten years old in both. I've only had two careers, magician and stuntman. Ten years old? Mm -hmm. How? Uh, well, as I was, uh, Jacob and I were talking out, uh, out in the green room-ish earlier, <laughs> um, I got into magic when I was ten years old because I was bullied as a kid. I figured if I could show the bullies a trick, they'd leave me alone, and it pretty much worked. Mm -hmm. And then with the stunts, uh, friends, we would... Well, I've got, a, I've got a very cool backstory on top of a backstory. When I was 10 years old, my dad taught me how to ride motorcycles and then race motorcycles. We'd go out to a, a, a motorcycle park called Indian Dunes in California. And there all the celebrities, Steve McQueen, big name, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of second unit directors and directors would bring their sons who were my age and they would race motorcycles. So here I am racing motorcycles with the, with the sons of these big iconic people. And my dad being a white collar worker, Never in the industry. All these guys are getting nepotized, if you will. Yeah. And then we just hang out with the, all the kids that hang out. And we start doing stunt shows, uh, you know, little fights and stuff like that on the weekends. And then the magic, I do the same thing. And had my very first paid gig at uh, 13 years old. And uh, that's kind of how it blossomed. So you've been side hustling since you were a teenager. Pretty much, yeah. So, you know, you're, inv you're involved in the entertainment business, mm -hmm. but... And getting booked, even for stunt people, mm -hmm. performers, book for movies and television, it's difficult. It deals with a lot of rejection, a lot of waiting oh, yeah. for the next gig. So 
would you switch back and forth if stunt work was dry, you were hitting the magician world? So um, from 10 to 19, uh, I'm sorry, 13 to 19, 13, I had my first paid, paid gig, 13 to 19, I was doing all magic, private little par uh, private parties, uh, that kind of a thing. When, 19, I went in the Army. When I got out of the Army, I got in the motion picture business. And uh, only because of all my friends who now have excelled as stuntmen and stunt performers and actors, whatever they were doing, I figured, well, I want to do that. So magician by night, playing the nightclubs. And when I couldn't get a magician gig, I'd be a bouncer in a, in a strip club, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And then wake up 7 a.m., go hit the ground running, you know, walking on set. And when you were able to walk on the set and the stunt coordinator second like, you know, direction by pick and res and that kind of a thing. And, and uh, just kind of built, kept going from there. Were you working seven days a week? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah when we weren't hustling, we were uh, practicing our, our craft, you know, uh, um, practicing fight scenes, go out and rent a car, practice throwing 180s, 90s, you know, practicing high falls. Uh, we had a high fall tower and everything, you know, airbag. That's dangerous work. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, side hustles are notorious for not providing health insurance. Mm -hmm. How'd you... I'm a vet, so um, uh, 100%. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, now, I, you, I'm blessed in that area. I hear that, yeah. I hear that. Now, if you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake Alona. We're talking this hour about the side hustle culture of our city with mu musician Jacob Wilcom and stuntman Jeff Bornstein. You can tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. I feel like, you know, having a side hustle is that something that comes with trying to break into the entertainment industry, almost like a rite of passage for folks. Here is Jack Settle, who is a local aspiring country musician with a lot of side hustles. Our producer, Elizabeth Burton, she caught up with him earlier in this week. Let's listen. When I was um, 17, I actually had this crazy thing happen where I woke up with no hearing in my right ear and it was due to a virus uh, and I got some hearing back and it was, it was kind of a learning process of learning to sing again. After that process, I kind of realized, you know, everybody's going to get old and lose their hearing. And I kind of had a, a, a moment of realization where I'm like, you know, I'm young. I was 17 at the time. And I was like, I might as well, if I'm ever going to pursue music, like seriously, I might as well just do it now. And uh, so I, I graduated high school and moved to Nashville. Oklahoma. I went looking for a new aroma. I can't take any more of this. I gotta go find another miss. I'm interstate. For me, what it really looks like is uh, keeping that dream and that goal at the forefront. I, you know, I, I do kind of a lot of different things. I have side hustles, W2 jobs, um, and still kind of, still kind of trying to keep that that dream, that goal in mind the whole time. That I work at a, a large format print shop, and so I make signs and banners, I run machines, um, and that's, that's my, my full-time job at the moment. So I ended up in Tennessee, working at a factory. The dust and smoke made my throat burn, so I went and gave that key a turn. Photography has been a thing for me for a long time that I love doing. Um, when I was like 13, I, I won an international nature photography competition. I joked to everyone, I'm like, I teach in eighth grade. Um, and then most recently, I started uh, pressure washing and cleaning concrete, which is super random. Uh, I gotta be honest, I, I saw a uh, I saw like a thing on TikTok, I kind of fell for it. They were like, you know, if you clean garbage bins and you do this many a day, and I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm gonna go buy a pressure 
those posts are probably sponsored by some pressure washing, you know, brand or whatever. But, um, and, you know, if I kind of realize, like, man, if I do one or two of these jobs, I can make several days pay in a few hours. So um, that frees me up to do to focus on music more, you know, if I'm able to make that money. And yeah, it's tricky because, you know, I'll get, I've, I've gotten a few raises at my job, but it's, I'm probably just at the same exact place that I was because everything's so much more expensive. And, and it kind of creeps up on you, like it's a slow thing, you know, like gas prices and grocery prices, and you don't realize it until you look back and you're like, wow, like, I'm paying like two or three times as much for groceries as I was like when I first moved here. So I am grateful to get to be, you know, pursuing something in addition to the basic needs. Uh, Jacob, I hear that you and Jack are roommates, right? <laughs> That's right. Our driveway has <laughs> never looked cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're a musician as well. Does anything that he said really resonate with you? A hundred percent. I think he speaks for a lot of musicians in Nashville. Obviously, music's the dream, but it's really hard to make money, especially as an independent artist or when you're f first trying to get your foot in the door. And so you'd be surprised how creative people can get to make ends meet to afford yourself another month in Nashville and another month to really give your music a shot. Man, living month to month while pursuing this dream, it's, it's gonna be daunting. It's daunting and it's certainly motivating, especially mm -hmm. when the end of the month is coming up and rent is due and you know that you have to somehow find a couple gigs to, to really make ends meet. Um, but I think whenever you look at different actors or musicians, they always talk about this time period when they were waiting tables in New York or they were auditioning and not getting anything and waiting for that big break. I think a lot of musicians are sitting in that current season. And I, I think if you just keep at it, you're going to have a really good story to tell your grandkids one day. It really brings new meaning to the Bones, Thugs, and Harmony song, the first of the month. <laughs> <laughs> it really does give a different perspective to it. Now, you know, on social media, side hustles, they're portrayed as like part of the entrepreneurial path. And a lot of people are doing this work because they have these larger, grander goals in mind. Is that really the case with you? I think when it comes to side hustle, your why has to be so motivating to get you to that next level. And for I'm, I know my why. My why is I want to be in the music industry. I want to I want to make this a reality for myself. And I know that sometimes it takes the work of a side hustle to make that happen. But I think if your why is strong enough, I think there's no limit to what you can achieve. And I think that's the driving force behind a lot of side hustles. What do you think people misunderstand about side hustles? It's not a real job, man. Uh. Get a real job. <laughs> you know, I think people really discredit the work of side hustles because it is a hustle. And if I, I think a lot of people discredit the work because it's not a nine to five, you don't have health insurance, you don't have benefits, you don't have PTO. Um, but I think it's the scrappiest way to bootstrap yourself, to bet on yourself. Yeah. I always was kind of amazed by that term, real job. It's like I'm earning real money for doing real work. How is it not a real job? Like, you know, Jeff, how do you respond to that? Oh, I've got a, I've got a plethora of ways to respond. If I had a penny, if I had a Canadian penny for every time someone said, get a real job, mm. man. It's like, really, see, and, and I, I piggyback off what you said, Jacob. This, this has to be your passion. And if it's not your passion and the why, then forget it. Uh, I know a lot of people that, that, um, uh, that, that want to and the dreamers. And, you know, if you can't take the heat, man, get out, man. And 
I've been homeless. I've lived in my car. I've lived in backyards. And I'm still, I will do, I will never regret what I did to get to where I am today. Not for a second. Are, are there benefits outside <laughs> of the financial gain that you can get for being inside hustle culture? Where are the benefits for it? Other than money. Uh, in here, I believe, and I'm pointing to my, my heart. Um, my mom always said to me, you know, sweetheart, if you're digging ditches and that's what you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. And that is so true, man. If you love what you do, I don't care if you play bass, you pull a penny out of little Johnny's ear, <laughs> you know, you get shoved to the ground, or if you're, you're cleaning trash cans, whatever it is, it doesn't matter in, in, my, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, if you love what you do, you will never work a day in your life, man. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, uh, and, and it is a mindset also. Uh, I just had a family member uh, say to me recently, because uh, we moved from L.A. to here to, to Tennessee about two and a half years ago, a little bit behind you, Jacob. And I said, man, I'm struggling, man. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Like everyone in the pandemic, my, our calendar is wiped clean. I'm like, what are we going to do? I had no idea. Fast forward, I said, you know, uh, what am I going to do? And I'm talking to this family member and he said, you need to get a real job hmm. and you're never going to make it. I'm like, dude, I'm 60. I'm 63 now. I'm 60. What do you mean? I'm never going to, I'm, I'm doing something right. He goes, get a real job. I'm like, all right, man. And you go back to your little thing that you would do and, mm-hmm. and thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I haven't talked to him since. And that's a family member. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't let people dictate what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do when it comes to that. Cause people don't understand what an artist goes through what it ta- you know, you know, as an artist, we all know what it takes. And uh, that's just, that's mm-hmm. my story. And Jacob, you're a little bit younger. And yeah. so your generation looks at side hustles, like I was saying, through social media as something that's kind of a badge of honor. If you don't have side hustles, you're kind of regarded as lazy in certain circles, I feel like. There is a, a, a strange entrepreneurial spirit with kind of my generation. And I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's it's because maybe it's maybe it's because it's so accessible with our, our phones and what we have access to. I mean, people are flipping things on Facebook Marketplace. People are making connections, and so there is there is an element of if you're not where you want to be in life, you got to change something. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to elevate what you're doing to make that happen because nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there is an element of just. Hustle, and there's a toxic side of that too. There's the there's the 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 grind bros. Have you heard of them? <laughs> and they're, no. just, they're just all day. Wake up at five a.m. Cold plunge, shower, trade crypto, hustle, hustle, hustle. Uh-huh. Like stack your money as, as as much as you can. And I think that goes a little off the deep end, but I think we're young kids. We got time. We got skills in our hands, and let's put it to work. So, what benefits have you received from side hustles? Outside of just making more money to make it and live in town. I think it makes me a more well-rounded person when you're doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that I think I, I, I think the people that I'm interested in have a variety of different interests and they do different things and they're good at different things And I think when you narrow yourself down to just a, a specific skill set I think that kind of gets lost as opposed to someone who's a little more well-rounded someone who can talk to different people and take care of a dog and run a soundboard and play a, a Broadway gig and then translate this piece of German I think the more well-rounded you make yourself the more you're setting yourself up for success in the future You know the futurist mm-hmm. Alvin Toffler he wrote uh, um a book called Future Shock, but then he wrote a later book called Generational Wealth, and he talked about what employment would be like today, where young people like yourself, the employment is about you 
and the skills, not the fact that you can work at a job and eventually get the pension and the gold watch later on. And I'm seeing your generation kind of do these things, but how do you kind of reconcile that while you are making money and you're still paying rent to be in Nashville at the moment, you're being empowered and broadened by these experiences, picking up these other skills that the big break may never come. That is a very real reality, and I'm I'm braced for that possibility, but I know that I gave myself a chance, and I know that if I didn't do this with my life at this time period, I know that if I didn't at least try it, it would lead to regret later on and resentment for mm-hmm. what. So I'm I'm glad I knew what I did instead of what could have been. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm I'm giving it my best shot, and it might not work out, and that's fine. But I'm so thankful that I at least tried. You're not going to ask yourself what if at the end of it all. Like I said, I'll have some good stories for the grandkids. I want to thank my guest, Jacob Wilcom, who is a local musician from Woodbine and a master of the side hustle. Jacob, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And Jeff Bornstein will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll meet people who are outside of the hustle. Well, let's say this. They, they side hustle more than just for necessity. They do it for curiosity. And other people who like to side hustle for fun. Thinking about a side hustle? You need some advice. We'll tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Now more than ever, people are having a hard time making the ends meet. Costs have gone up, but wages are pretty far behind. Today, we've been discovering what the side hustle culture is like in our city. Before the break, we talked with two people in the entertainment industry about the side hustles they're a part of. Now let's meet some folks who side hustle for a variety of reasons. Micah Punkisher is the co-owner of Compost Nashville. He's joined by Lara Parker, a restaurant manager, and Kimberly Bornstein, who works as a magician and is married to Jeff Bornstein. Thanks to you all for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. So, you know, we know that some of your main main sources of income are coming from, but I really want to learn about the side hustles that you all are a part of. Lara, what is your side hustle? Hi. um, Yeah, I read tarot and Hmm. I am a birth doula. Okay. Reading tarot and a birth doula are definitely unique Hmm. side hustles. Why did you decide to engage in those? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a COVID reader. Um, during COVID, I was an essential worker, um, but my hours were cut. And I was just um, picking up hobbies and I picked this up and it stuck and I love it. What is it about being a doula that really drove you to that? Um, education and helping people with the birth experience. Well, how much time does it take up these side hustles? How do you fit these into your life? Cause you work in full time as a restaurant manager and having experience in the restaurants is, you know, those can be 10 hour days. <laughs> yeah. Every, every day is a 10 hour day, five days a week for me. Um, as far as the tarot reading goes, um, luckily I, up until this point, 
have had plenty of time to um, educate myself in that realm. And now I can bang out a quick little session in 20 or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. What about what about your doula work? Um, doula work is an ongoing educational thing. Um, I took a training course um, about a year and a half ago, and I continue to build on that through reading materials, podcasts, being involved um, with the Nashville Birth Network itself. Now, Micah, co-owner of Compost Nashville, what's your side hustle? My side hustle, or as I call it, the SSH, the seasonal side hustle, is mm -hmm. uh, making and delivering raised garden beds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, how'd you get into that? You know, years and years ago, I uh, had owned a landscaping business um, and, and built those for some clients. Um, so I knew where to source the materials, um, knew how to do it, um, knew how to build them well. Um, and then when when COVID happened and the lockdown uh, and the schools shut down and everything sort of all of a sudden happened all at once. Um, you know, my, my role in compost Nashville is to work with our commercial clients. And so instead of bringing commercial clients on board, you know, I spent most of my time pausing people's accounts and sometimes canceling accounts entirely. Um, so, you know, it was one of these, um, okay, what do I do with extra time? Um, and also as a way to supplement the revenue that I was going to lose from those accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, and thankfully, on the on the business side of things, the where the commercial side dropped, the residential side went way up because more people were at home cooking, gardening. Um, and it was one of those just, hey, what can I do? Um, and, you know, it was one of these where I like doing it and I like facilitating people's entry into gardening. Um, just as a as a side hobby, I love, love when people can get into that. So it was one of those. Let's do it. And I even taught my nephews uh, and niece in Franklin how to do it. And they sort of took the uh, Franklin Brewwood market and worked their networks. And, you know, I, I did mine in East Nashville and around town. And yeah, so that's the uh, that's the origin story. So it was kind of almost a happy accident, perfect situation where you're getting fulfillment from doing this work. But also you're able to make up for some of lost income. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was a, a great marriage of the of, of many things. Mm -hmm. Now, Kimberly. Is being a magician your side hustle? Well, this is this is what I do. Um, I met my husband Jeff. Um, we've been together now for seventeen years. We dated six thousand two hundred five days. Okay, <laughs> long time. <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> we um, we met on Match.com. Um, we dated two years. I originally am from Oklahoma. Um, I moved out to LA. We lived there together for at least, I want to say 15 years. Um, he was always coming home. Uh, he would get frustrated. He'd go on the road and stuff because he's, he's done magic all of his life since I've known him. And um, I said, we should do a show together. And um, it was kind of one of those things when we met because we we actually did meet on Match.com long, long ago when that was kind of a thing. And um, being from Oklahoma and him from California, it was just kind of like we just had so many things that just kind of it was almost like we were like the twin flames. Mm -hmm. And um, so after that, we he says, you're not going to like it. You're not going to like to go on stage and see how hard it is. So we did it. We went to the Magic Castle in Hollywood, perform mm -hmm. because we've been a member there for over 30 plus years. And um the rest is history. We go, we go on tour, and since he is a veteran, we would perform for all branches of service across the country. 
And um, it was just an amazing journey that we still do to this day. Can you explain your act to us? Like, what what do you and Jeff do on stage? Well, do you want me to explain it or do you want to? I want to hear you. And then oh, you we'll, want we'll my version? Okay. It's almost kind of like, I don't. It's like whenever you meet somebody, it's kind of like when you have that connection. It's like an energy that they almost admit. And it's just trying to visualize in my mind because I'm very visual. Um, It's like connecting on a different level, using your thoughts, your intuition. And it's things that pop into my head. I'm not always 100%, but it may not mean anything to you, but it may mean something to you. It's in the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. So I can elaborate on that. Okay. So the, everyone has some sort of psychic ability. Everybody in this room, everyone in this studio, in this building, in this world, and I can prove it. You've thought about, you've been thinking about your friend. Well, give me a friend's name, any friend. Flo. Flo. You've been thinking about Flo. Five minutes later, your phone rings and Flo's name pops up on your caller ID. I'm like, I'm just thinking about Flo. We call it mm-hmm. psychic ties. Mm-hmm. Or it you know, could be like romance in the mind. Romance in the mind, right? So you all play with psychic ties. Yes. And, and explain that. I'm really interested to see more about that later on in the show, if yeah. you guys will please give us a demonstration. Sure. Yeah. But right now we got a tweet at This Is Nashville from Breezy Noel Jam, who says, quote, side hustles. I've been working at racetracks for decades now. The money is eh, the hours are long, mm-hmm. but I'm sure I met uh, lots of interesting people and saw plenty of great racing for free. So what what about that part of it? Like meeting interesting people that you may not have otherwise. Lara, talk to me about that. Um, Yeah, so I read tarot for a fairly large group on Facebook, and it was in that group um, on one of our weekend events where we offer free reads for the members where I met um, someone here in Nashville who was also looking for a doula. And it is so amazing to now see that her child is almost one years old and just being able to have been connected in that way and now being able to see her child grow. It's amazing. What, what about what about you, Micah? What type of connections have you been able to build? Um, yeah, for me, I one of the things I love is um, when I, you know, I make these garden beds and uh, and then I drive around uh, and deliver them. And so I'm all of a sudden in someone's backyard and we're I'm meeting sometimes their whole family, their kids. Um, and the kids will tell me like, you know, the things that uh, they've had success in growing uh, before, or uh, they always note the failures, of course, of uh, what mom has tried before. Um, but it's uh, to me personally, I love connecting with folks. Um, and when you, uh, I think that the previous guest, Jacob mentioned this before, where you, you expose yourself to different different types of folks and different walks of life, different professions. And, you know, and you connect with people. And I think that especially that first season of doing that, when we are all locked down, um, you know, it was a way to connect with folks. And I, you know, uh, delivered some raised beds to folks I used to run track with in high school, wow. I hadn't seen in ages. Yeah. Um, and it was a different time. I remember a, um, a, a customer, she touched my tape measure on the job site and we both freaked out and we had to wipe it down with a, antiseptic wipe. But the point is, and then I delivered a raised bed a year or two later and we were laughing about that, how things have changed and how intense they were. But it's, yeah, it's just amazing to connect with folks. How can someone with a service oriented side hustle, how can they help themselves to get more businesses? Because more business, because you're building this stuff for people. What were you doing to let folks know, hey, you want a raised (laughs) flower bed? I'm your dude. I mean, mostly social media. 
you know, just put yourself out there um, on my personal pages and then some of the neighborhood groups um, where you have to put, you know, pictures and price and even like on the marketplace, um, on the Facebook marketplace where you put your price out there. And that, of course, opens you up to the public where people say, oh, where do you get your wood? Uh, I would never pay that much for this. And you have to open yourself up to that. And, uh, you know, you don't spend too much time on that. But um, but that's mostly it. You're just, just promoting yourself. And and then I, I personally try to cap it because it does take a, a large amount of time and it's physical uh, nature. So I say, okay, each, each spring, my goal is to make, you know, 64 or 98 raised beds. And mm-hmm. then that's it. Okay. It's a window of time and it opens and it closes. It closes. And it can't be there eternally. Well, well you know, Jeff and Kimberly, how does having a performative side hustle, how does that change the nature of how you go about getting work? Uh, well, uh, like Micah was talking about, it's the hustles within the hustle within the hustle. I mean, right now we're hustling, yeah. right? We're sitting here, you know, people uh, can hear us. And um, uh, whenever we're out and about, people ask what we do. Uh, just because I guess maybe the way we carry ourselves, I don't know. It's I can't explain it. Where after a gig, people come up ask us, "Are you available for you know X, Y, and Z? You know, uh, whatever." We do a lot of high end uh, corporate events as well as um, private events. So, uh, you want to elaborate on that? Well, I think a lot of times too. Um, even though we may get that call to to get the gig to do the show, it's are they going to call you back? You know, how well did you do? And that's what I think that, and I'm sure you can agree with this. Yeah, anybody can get a gig, but yeah. it's getting the call back. Getting and the call we back. do, we get the call back. So I, I think we're doing something right there in all the years yeah. that we've been together. Yeah, I think you guys definitely are getting callbacks. I understand you were just nominated uh, as Magician of the Year in Clarksville, right? Uh, is that what it was? Uh, best Magician or something? Like yeah, I think yeah. it was best I didn't even best know magician. about it until I got, uh, my phone started blowing up. I'm like, oh, Thanks. <laughs> I had no idea. It could lead to more side hustle yeah, work. Exactly. There we yeah. go. Now, now, Larry, you know, I'm thinking about this and all the work that's involved. We only have 24 hours in the day. Mm. Eventually, all of us have to go to sleep. So tell me, how do side hustles take away from other areas of life that you have? Yeah, it directly correlates with sleep. Um, as soon as I get home, I may do some reading material on the doula work side, or I may um, give someone a reading that I owe. Um, and it's just, I feel like that's part, that's part of it, especially if you have this, if you have a passion for what you do, and I'm very passionate about both things. Um, so it's just, it's just a sacrifice I'm willing to make because at the end of, end of the day, I love it. Is there pressure to keep going? Um, not necessarily. I wouldn't say pressure. Um, it's more of a drive for me. Um, I'm very passionate about how tarot can um, bring aspects of our lives that we may need to have some attention on. And also very passionate about um, birth work and education and that I've, both of those things are very important. Now, you know, Micah, as we think about our side hustles, they can be so productive. Folks will think about leaving their jobs. You know, when I open up my phone and I see a news feed, I always see such and such person was making $12,000 a month on their side hustle. Eventually, they left their job. It's like these CNBC and and money.com ads. Do you think that's realistic? I mean, what should somebody ask themselves if they are faced with that decision potentially and before they take that next step? I think they um, 
probably need to really sit down and uh, and crunch the numbers to see what is possible. And also um, to think about if you're going to do this as a side hustle, you probably are keeping your margins low by, you know, for me, I, I build these raised beds in my in my driveway, right? Got a saw from Home Depot and and I've got the wood and I just I just get it done. Um, but if I were to develop this into a business, then you need space, you need storage, you need all these extra costs. And you have to ask yourself, is the customer going to pay, you know, that extra cost for the service that once was priced low, which may be one of the reasons why people are are attracted to your service. Um, you need to think about, are people going to pay that added cost so you can cover that that new overhead? Um, but it's 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 a risk, but uh, a lot of people, when they take risks, they almost never regret it. Because mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't work out, they learn something along the way. Do you think people pressure themselves to be over-engaged in their side hustles? Maybe, but I do think, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, a lot of costs have risen in the last several years for a lot of folks. Um, and so people are, um, it's sort of a maybe necessity to to be creative. Um, and so I think culturally, we probably do overcommit. I would say that is probably a cultural uh, touchstone of our country, um, but also produces a really a lot of amazing things. As we look at the affordability of Nashville, do you think more and more folks with, uh, what was it, the so-called real jobs that we were talking about before, do you think more and more folks are going to have to take up side hustles just to kind of live comfortably or just even live out here? Uh, yes. And I think that um, the skills that anybody can bring to, um, to if you can add a skill to your skill set, like Jacob's roommate who does the power washing, people want that service and they don't know where to go. And so I think one thing that is important is to lose the ego mm-hmm. um, and do a service that, that people need and want and that you hopefully have a passion for or maybe you simply don't mind doing. Okay. All right. Now, Kimberly and Jeff, mm-hmm. are you all willing to do a little bit of mentalist magic with us right now? Sure. Show Absolutely. us what some of your side hustles are? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. We got just about four minutes left. Okay. So take it away. All right. Uh, what do we bring here? We stole the die from one of our grandkids. Okay. Games. Here. We got a deck of cards. I thought we were going to call Flow. Oh, no. I'm, I'm sure if I check my phone's on uh, Do Not Disturb, <laughs> okay. I have to see if Flow calls. If Flow calls, this is going to be something else. Here, take that. There you go. Okay. All right, uh, we're looking at a pack of cards. We got a little tiny take a, cup with dice in it. We've got a die. Mm-hmm. We've got that's, a cup. that's from our Yahtzee. Okay. <laughs> okay. Micah, I'm going to have both you fellas do this, okay? And, and um, here's the deal a little shot glass. Give it a shake. Okay. And peek the number and hand it over here. Okay. And if it's like if you get a five, you give it a shake. Make sure it's when it lands, it's not a five. Otherwise, we have a really dumb ending. Okay. 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 And Kim's going to try and tap into what your thoughts are. But when you get that number in your mind, literally send an image of that number. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. There all right, and Micah, I'm I'll, both of I'll you, turn away as I'm well. going to close right. my eyes, all right? All right. Okay, I'm going to shake the uh, tiny shot glass with the Yahtzee. I'm imagining mentalist music. Yeah. You got a number there, Micah? Mm-hmm. Focus on that number. Okay. And just keep saying that number over in your mind. Here we go. Okay. Both happy with your numbers? I have my number. Okay. You can roll it again if you want. No, I'm happy you with happy. my number. Mike, right. you got your number? Mm-hmm. So you got your number? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
Both of you just clear your mind, just feel totally relaxed because the more relaxed both of you feel, the more relaxed I feel. All right, Micah, I'm almost visualizing the number six. Am I correct when I say that? You are correct. Okay, Khalil, focus on your number. Send that energy to me. I'm visualizing a four. Yes. Is it a four? Was it a four? Yes, it was a four. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So she's not only good with numbers, she's good with cards, too. Okay, Micah, you see the cards okay? Yep, I see a whole deck of cards. Okay. Just uh, folks out there in in, uh, Radio Land, got a deck of 52 playing cards. That was 52 cards. Micah, give them a good little shuffle for me. Okay. Now, I'd rather go ahead and... and, um, this is this is a, a deck of cards you can buy at the Dollar General. Okay. I don't really get the credit. Okay. okay. The cards are honest. It's the hands that cheat. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, Mike, I'm going to go like this. Kimberly's going to close your eyes. They're closed. Let me get in front of the microphone. Gentlemen, you can confirm my eyes are closed. They are closed. Yes, we have closed. one minute left. Yeah. Here we go. I'm going to close eyes my are closed. eyes. I'm going to go here first, and then I'm going to go over here. Okay. Okay. I'll close my eyes. Say stop anytime you like. Stop. Can you, can you see it? Yep. See it over in your mind. Queen of hearts. Queen of hearts. Queen of hearts. Yes. Kimberly, okay. close your eyes. They're closed. Say stop. Stop. You got it? Yep. Don't total the card. Get focused on the card. Mm-hmm. Kimberly, the card. Is it the queen of spades? Dang. You, you guys are good. <laughs> That's real good. That's real good. We need to. Where were you when the when the Powerball was a billion dollars? That's right. <laughs> we're gonna have to figure it out. Look, we don't have much time left. I want to thank everyone for coming on to the show and thank you for telling us about what it's like to engage inside hustle culture. I want to thank my guests, Kimberly and Jeff Bornstein, Micah Punkashore, and Lara Parker. Thanks to you all for being with us today. It was really awesome. Y'all. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. And we thank you and everyone else for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Michaela Elias is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are Laurent and Namir Blade. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.